What's going on, drinking buddies? Brand new one coming right at you, but real quick, you know what time it is. We gotta pay the bills around here, man. We gotta get a word from the sponsors, man. I have no idea why I'm talking like that. But let's get on with those sponsors. This week's podcast is brought to you by our friends at uh, And Now We Drink. We are brought to you by the video versions of And Now We Drink. The video versions are available on Vimeo at anwd.net slash videos. The videos are in full HD, ad-free, and occasionally have some nudity in them. Can't beat it. $6 a month gets you all the episodes streaming unlimited or 99 cents an episode. It's yours to own forever. So check them out today at anwd.net slash videos. And of course, any videos you purchase, directly go to me and the show. Help me out quite a bit. We are also brought to you this week by our, oh, once again, me. My Twitch channel. That's right, guys. I'm playing video games on Twitch three, four nights a week. Come check out the Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash Slayer. Monday nights we do Fortnite. Wednesday nights we do Stellaris. Thursday I do whatever I'm feeling. And Sunday nights is the Sunday Adventure Series. I believe we're starting Detroit Become Human this week. Come check it out. Come hang out in the chat. Play some games. Throw me a sub if you feel like it. And last but not least, we are brought to you by our friends at Vinyl Me Please. Vinyl Me Please is the record of the month club. The best damn record of the month club. In fact, every month, Vinyl Me Please features one album that is essential to the modern vinyl collection. Each record is pressed exclusively for Vinyl Me Please and has features you can't get anywhere else. Things like bonus tracks, inserts, color variants, and comes packaged with a 12 by 12 album-inspired art print and custom cocktail pairing recipe. Vinyl Me Please has been a sponsor of the show for quite some time, and I believe in it, because they're not like Record of the Month clubs of old. They're month-to-month, no strings attached, cancel anytime. It won't be like other old-school record clubs that are probably still hunting you to this day for the money you owe them. So sign up today at www.joinvmp.com slash anwd. Once again, that is www.joinvmp.com slash anwd. My guest this week is adult performer Siri Dahl. You may know her from her awesome podcast, After Adult. This was a blast of an episode. For those of you who are uh, sensitive to uh, religion or politics talk, you're probably going to get pretty fucking offended with this one. We could deep dive into religion, politics, sex, some video game stuff. All in all, Siri was an absolute pleasure. So sit back, relax, pop a cold one, and enjoy this episode with Siri Doll drinking buddies. going. Siri, how the hell are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for dragging me out of my cave during daylight hours to do this. Normally, it'd be like, uh, oh, <laughs> sunlight. Uh, uh. 
I know the East Coast and otherwise you'd be doing this at midnight your time and that's no good. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, definitely easier to do it at this time of the day. <laughs> so I see you've been doing a lot of Twitch streaming. Yeah, yeah. I started a couple months ago and uh, it's kind of been a slow going thing. It's kind of hard to have a regular established schedule um, with traveling and stuff, but it's fun so far. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Are you doing it post-COVID? Or are you planning to continue doing it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I always kind of wanted to start a Twitch stream. Even, like, years ago, um, when I was newer to the industry, I people asked all the time, and I was like, okay, well, I'm interested in gaming. Like, I know that I enjoy it. I would like to Twitch stream, but it just took me this long to actually set it up. Hey, I'm right there with you. Like, I started my stream in March. <laughs> yeah. It's like March 24th. I'm yeah. like, oh, I should do this. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, there's like a pretty big learning curve for me just figuring out the equipment and like how to set up the stream and like do the cool things that I want to do with it. And I only just like a couple nights ago got Streamlabs to work because the plugin, one of the plugins I needed doesn't work on Mac at all. Like it was, I would have had to like have an older software version for it. It was just this whole thing. And like, finally, there came an update that, fixed the issue on Apple's end so I can like actually stream using the software I wanted to use. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. Streamlabs makes things so easy. Like all the fun widgets and yeah, much I, better. I stopped using it just because in the, the quest to get a good camera, I started using uh, the Canon web, you know, the, the webcam software for their DSLRs and yeah. Streamlabs doesn't support it. Oh damn, that sucks. Yeah, like I was all set up, had all my widgets, and oh, I want to go away from the crap webcam and crap. <laughs> I'm using my crap webcam. Like this is just the built-in one on my computer because I. Getting... That's kind of the next thing. It's like okay, I'll get a better camera, but it's like a progressive like thing of getting all the equipment for it. Did you hear that home? There was a really bad home. Yeah, that was my uh, roommate coming home and opening the garage door. <laughs> All right. He texted me right before we started, and I was like, God damn it. <laughs> he wasn't supposed to be home for like another couple hours, but here we are. Isn't that always the case? going to do it again in a second when he closes the door. So My roommate does the same thing. I feel like I got to give him an IMDB credit for how many times he's in the background shot of the video version. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, there it there goes. It goes. Now, as soon as that's done. I'll apologize. I'm a little bit of a zombie. Like I, I had to drag my ass out of bed early this morning to go get a COVID test. And oh, that's fun. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I did one the other day, and I should have my results back soon. Oh. LA is at least really good about it. Like I was in and out of yeah. Dodger Stadium in like 15 minutes, and yeah. they're turning them around in 24 to 48 hours now. That's amazing. Yeah. Same thing with like our talent testing. You know, when I've been because I went to California last month, and then I'm going again in like three weeks. Um, so it's easy to get COVID tested out there. It's also, it's easy for me to get COVID tested where I live. It's just that obviously I don't, we don't have like a talent testing clinic cause I don't live in like a big porn city. So there's not even there's, an affiliate cl clinic. Well, they have the affiliate clinics everywhere, but it's a totally different process. Like I've had, I've actually like had multiple email chains back and forth with different people at talent testing because the situation of the affiliate clinics has been so thoroughly fucked. Like, and I like, I finally got a test like the day before yesterday after trying to get a system worked out where I can actually do it for like two months. So it's, oh. yeah, it's been a pain in the ass. 
And that's just, that's because that's like our, you know, porn industry, like our, our testing system. That's why it has nothing to do with like the COVID. If I just wanted to go get a COVID test anywhere, I could easily get one, but. Yeah. And so you you might as well get it with the full panel and. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. It's cheaper in the end to pay for all of those things all at once. So. Yeah. What do you feel about uh, TTS pulling out of the pass system? Um. I kind of understand the reasoning on both ends. Like I dislike it in general um, just because I don't like, I don't know that I trust this one company's ability to do proper contact tracing and inform everyone. Like they're not FSC. They're not the same thing. Like, but it's clear that like for everyone involved, the system as it was, wasn't really working great. Otherwise they wouldn't have had these massive disagreements in the first place. So I kind of feel like, okay, well there's probably a lot of room for improvement, but I like the past system and I don't really want to ditch it. I uh, know. I totally However, I, yeah. I mean, TTS is my only option, you know, because I don't have like cutting edge has affiliate uh, testing centers, but they don't have anywhere I am. They just like their network is much, much, much smaller. So and at the end of the day, like it's important that the industry is doing COVID testing, but it's not like STD testing. You know, in 48 hours, your test could easily be invalid. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. And uh, I mean, yeah, it's just not... Oh, I'm going to change my background to this. Also, (laughs) I just... Because I have all my dirty laundry behind me. All right. For people who are, like, listening and not watching this podcast, I'm in my bedroom with a shit ton of dirty laundry behind me. And I don't want anyone to see it. So I'm changing the background. Hey, um, totally good. I'm sorry. What What did you just ask me three seconds ago? Uh, give me a second. Brain. Uh, about the fact that, you know, COVID tests, it's very important, especially if we're trying to restart shooting and all that stuff. But a test could be invalid in 24 to 48 hours. It, yeah. It's not like the standard panel of STD testing where, hey, I didn't have contact with any other partners between, you know, my 14-day test. Right. It's literally impossible. It's one of those things where we're like, the industry is essentially saying like, okay, well, this is an unprecedented situation. So we're just doing the best we can. But like everyone has to recognize that there's no guarantees. You know, I have only done a couple shoots. Most companies are not shooting, especially not in LA. I think it's like on a case by case basis, but like the biggest companies like browsers and stuff, they're not shooting anything currently. I'm going out to LA because I do have a couple shoots at the end of the month, but they're like with much smaller studios that have more control over who appears on set and they can like, and that all the crew members are getting COVID tested. Everyone who's physically there that day is getting a COVID test the day before. So it's like, you know, it's minimized it's pretty. Yeah. I mean, everyone's doing the best they can to minimize risk. Um, but like, it's obviously still there. And like the shoots that I have done post COVID now, um, out in like LA have been, you know, I'm signing a, a waiver, like a COVID waiver, um, which is typical. Sign a COVID waiver just about everywhere I've been lately. So well, I had to sign one to get tested yesterday. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Now the question is with the COVID waiver, will it actually hold up in court if it was under any scrutiny? Oh, I have no idea. I'm not a lawyer. I mean, I think that it, I, I think it would be impossible for someone to claim like damages. If, if I go out like if I go to a nail salon, right. And I get my nails done and I happen to get COVID. And first of all, I have no way of knowing that I got it there. Like, I, I just feel like the waivers are kind of, it's just an extra cover your ass thing, but I highly doubt that it's 
actually worth it much in the end. But I think anyone who tries to sue anyone over like getting COVID in a specific place at a specific time is probably going to have a really hard time proving that. Well, it's one of those things where if they end up contact tracing more like on a set where someone, because TCS isn't in the past system anymore, comes on set knowing that they were were dirty. Yeah. Yeah, I could see some legal ramifications or at very least a worker's comp claim. Yeah. Well, yeah. And and STIs are very different just because you, there's like, we at least have the facts on those down pretty well where you like know the incubation period. And like, if you have a positive result, like, you know, what not to do if you're, I hope you do if you're in the adult industry, especially, but like with COVID who fucking knows, I don't know. Like, you know, I went to LA and got home two about two weeks ago and yeah, because it'll be two weeks tomorrow. Because my my podcast co-host Rachel was like, "I want to see you. I want to hang out, but you need to quarantine for two weeks." And I was like, "I totally get that, and I will do that." Um, so yeah, it's like, but I I've had tests since I got home, and they say I'm negative, but I, you just don't know because the incubation period is longer. So like, it's yeah. all just a giant fucking gamble. Well, long incubation period, a lot of false negatives on the tests. It- yeah, yeah, that's true. I've heard that too. Like the person, <laughs> the person I was in contact with who potentially has COVID came back negative, but she was, I was just on the phone with her and she's just like, I feel like shit. I feel like absolutely. I'm like, uh, yeah. like, I hope you're sick with something else. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's like, you got, I feel, yeah. It's like, well, I hope you are sick with not COVID like, yeah. <laughs> just with literally anything else. Please have strep throat. You're good. <laughs> yeah. Well, please don't have strep throat. You know, there might have been fluid ch- exchanges. So that would <laughs> that'd be bad too. But strep throat's pretty nasty. <laughs> I've had it. I've had it. Yeah. But that Q-tip going down my throat is. Ugh, ugh. Yeah, it's nasty. It's certainly gross. And especially right now with with all the COVID scares, like if you have anything remotely COVID symptomatic, like going into an urgent care or something like that, but like, hey, check me out. I have a fever and I'm coughing in my throat. And yeah, it's no, thank you. Everyone. All right. There was a woman who was in the line, like ahead of me, far more than six feet away, happily. But uh, yeah, when I went to get tested the other day, because it's also the place where I have to go get tested through TTS is like also an urgent care, which sucks because it means it's where people go if they have symptoms. Um but yeah, this woman was saying that she had symptoms and it was like, get away. It was like, no, <laughs> get out of there ASAP. Yeah. Just like hold your breath, yeah. blood out. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's how it went. And unfortunately this is just the world we're looking at probably for the next year. <laughs> yeah, I know it's, it's, there's no end in sight here. I, <sighs> was supposed to go to Hawaii in a few months and I'm, I've been keeping my eye on it and I haven't canceled it yet. Cause Hawaii might enact a policy where you can get a COVID test within 72 hours of your flight there. And if it's negative, then you don't have to quarantine for two weeks when you get there. But like, I feel like that's very unlikely that they'll actually enact that, that rule within the next two months. So I'm probably going to cancel that whole trip. Which is like, okay, that's fine. You know, I can so, like it's not a huge deal, but it still sucks. Know, I mean, just different times. 
Yeah, I mean, it sucks a little bit. Like, I can always go later. I've just always wanted, I've never been to Hawaii and always wanted to go. So, you know, if, if I would rather not go during a pandemic. I don't know. Cheap hotels. Yeah. Oh, God. Tell me about it. They have been incredibly cheap. Yeah. I found that out when I was in LA last month and I stayed a couple nights in Vegas too. And it was just, it was so cheap. And I was happy because it, that it was also very empty, which is like I didn't want to be around people. When they when they decide <laughs> to reopen the casinos in Vegas, I'm just like, why? Why would why would you do? I know why, but why? Yeah, it's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had I had an experience because the place where I stayed was, was a casino. And I just asked them like, can I have a room that is like in a wing, like highest floor possible furthest end of the hall. Like I want to be as far away from all this shit as possible. And they gave me that and it was fine. So like, didn't really have to spend any, and I don't gamble anyway. So I wouldn't go into the casino. I just stay at this one hotel. Cause it's where I have like all my reward points. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, I was impressed. I will say with how, um, it was an MGM property and they have like hand washing stations everywhere. And they have like basically unlimited free masks and they like give you masks in your room when you get there and like a whole bunch of hand sanitizer, there's hand sanitizer everywhere. They're like doing their part, but they're not doing a great job of controlling people's actual behavior. Like you can provide all the tools, but you know, just walking around, I saw so many people wearing masks wrong. Like I see that everywhere. Oh yes. When people pull it down, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm putting you on a spot here. I'm not saying you do this, but men with facial hair are the worst offenders of wearing a mask incorrectly. Every dude I see with a beard, I swear to God, it's like 70% of them are wearing their mask tucked under their nose. Yeah, I'm not that guy. I will. Uh, and I'm like, it must just be really hot in there with all that hair. And now you put a mask on top of it. Oh, no, and I, I guess all these dudes are just suffocating, but also like... If it's that bad, shave off your beard. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. I, this People's is a, safety is more important than your facial hair. That's how I rock my mask. Nice. Yeah, yeah that's fantastic. It's and, also perfectly terrifying. Well, and that's the kind of mask that, you know, <laughs> the best part about that mask is, like, when I'm in the car or I don't want to wear it, just pull it down to my neck. Yeah, like, yeah, like the neck <laughs> gator thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, not rocket handy. science. Not fucking rocket science at all. <laughs> it, yeah. I, I'm really curious on the MGM property masks. Are they branded? Do they give you branded masks? Um. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they, they're. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the ones that they provide on the casino floor, since those aren't people necessarily staying at the hotel, those are just like the blue disposable masks. But when you are when you stay in a room, your room is provided with two cloth, like reusable branded masks that have that hotel's logo on it. That's amazing. Yeah. It's kind of like, hey, if you're lost on the strip, send her back here. I, it's kind of actually, that's per- yeah, there we go. Like if you, you know, there's a drunk person <laughs> and an Uber driver's like, I don't know where the, <laughs> where the name of the hotel is on the mask, sir. <laughs> Just here, send, take me here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And that's just the wild times we live in now. I know. Capitalism finds a way. Like I never thought I'd live in this weird dystopian future where every like a mask is now a fashion accessory. Like 
people, I, I am seeing people go to lengths to have masks that match like every different outfit that they're going to wear that week. I've seen masks. I've gotten fucking emails marketing. I don't know from who, like it was from some boutique online. I've bought shit from before and they sent me a marketing email that was like, check out these new hot mask styles. And one of them is, it's like a regular looking cloth mask, but it has a clear pvc vinyl like window around the lips so that you can wear so like whatever makeup you have like your lipstick color can be seen through the mask that's that's amazing that's absolutely yeah. amazing yeah well and then i i was like this is so weird so i like read the full description of the item and i was like oh they're like this mask the clear pvc window mask was actually invented for people who are not people who are performing lip reading but folks who need someone else to be able to read their lips like a a deaf person or a person who's hard of hearing so that's why it exists but then this like boutique was like fuck that we're gonna sell it to people so you can see their lipstick (laughs) that's um, that's uh, that's awesome that's yeah i'm just amazed we aren't seeing like more cyber goths running around like the big ventilators and spikes yeah i i mean I'm sure it's just a matter of time. The longer we all have to wear these masks, the more insane the masks themselves are going to get, I think. I mean, I'm already seeing some weird ones. I've seen some amazing ones. I saw, I got a targeted ad one for like one that was a full on Bane from Batman with the tubing coming off of it and everything. Oh my, that's pretty cool. I'm not sure I'm going to rock it. I'm, I'm not buff enough to rock the Bane. The hotel that I stayed at when I was in California, um, all the employees were wearing the same type of mask. So it must've been provided by the company that owned the hotel, but it was not, it was like a black mask, but it was that one that like has the thick straps that really loop around the ear. And that has those two like ventilation things, like circular ventilation things on either side of the face. And that was freaky because everyone who worked at that hotel looked like some sort of like robot hybrid person. (laughs) They're full on Darth Vader. You're yeah. in room two, two, four. Pretty much. Yeah. Can I take your bag, madam? <laughs> One of the dudes who worked there was like, he kind of looked like, um, fuck. Oh my God. Why can't I not remember the main character's name from Despicable Me? He looked like him though. Like. Grew? B- big, big, burly, like tall, bald dude with like thick eyebrows it's, wearing this Darth <laughs> Vader mask working behind the counter at a hotel. <laughs> Man, this is not the dystopia I signed up for. Yeah. It's, I don't even, I just, I mean, you know, I laugh about it because what else can you do really? I mean, we're literally looking at what we can do. We're, we're literally doing it. We, Zoom. Can, Zoom. Podcast and Zoom. Yeah. I'm just happy that pretty much. I've been podcasting for a long time, so I'm not like, I'm a COVID podcaster. It's going to be amazing Yeah, how many podcasters are like probably appearing right now during COVID and then like the minute like you can get back outside, gone, just gone. Even more than the normal amount of podcasts that appear and then just disappear every like month. Oh, I know. I Which I get. I totally understand the podcast struggle because I've been doing it now for two years and it's a lot. <laughs> I produce for other people too, so... Yeah. Like one of the first things when I take meetings for people when they want to start a podcast is like, I try to temper their expectations. Like you're not going to be Joe Rogan just right off the bat. You're (laughs) not going to be Joe Rogan. 
I'm sure that's everyone's reference point too for what like well at least every like dude under 40 who starts a podcast <laughs> well especially because I'm dealing with a lot of LA comics so it's yeah like, you're LA, not gonna yeah you're not gonna be Joe Rogan you are probably gonna get under a hundred downloads for your first handful of episodes unless you're already famous yeah, yeah. is a well I mean this is I'm preaching to the audience you already know all this shit <laughs> oh yeah I mean it's kind of been interesting because I had the per- perspective of starting m- my podcast when I was still retired from adult film and not having any presence on social media as Siri anymore so when I started it it was as a civilian quote-unquote and without having a network to like promote it to so it was really truly starting from scratch with the podcast and then eventually after doing the podcast for like a year is when I was like you know I want to start dabbling back in like online sex work some more. And that's when I started doing like OnlyFans and stuff. Um, and so the, seeing the difference between that first year of podcast versus like the following six months where I had come back to social media Siri. And now like the last six months that since January, basically when it's been more public that, and I've had scenes that came out and like people know I'm actually like back it's it's such a it's a wild difference seeing the exposure of the podcast and also like the type of people who listen to it <laughs> this changes a lot oh i can only in imagine in a good way yeah i can only imagine because you know i book a lot of people from the industry too and i watch my numbers like oh hey comedian i'm really excited about adult performer and it's the y'all's fans are die hard yeah yeah i mean it's i think it's just a special scenario because people who do, especially porn stars or like people who do anything where they're putting themselves naked online, basically it's like your fans think of you as maybe more accessible just because of that feeling of intimacy created by having access to someone's sexuality in a way, you know, even though it's online. Well, I also think part of it is the fact that they're fapping to you. And you know, yeah. something in their brain. That's went, essentially what I'm saying. I'm just saying it maybe oh, more you, eloquently. <laughs> you don't have to be eloquent on this show. You could just like because dudes are busting nuts to me. Mm-hmm. They feel a connection, and yeah, you know, this has been a discussion on here before. Yeah, and I'm not saying that like oh they think they know me. Like you know, I have boundaries like anyone else. Uh, <laughs> and my sometimes my boundaries are very weirdly specific. Don't ask me for an example because I cannot think of one right now. But maybe <laughs> something will pop into my head later. Um, but like, well, actually, no. Here is a boundary. Like, I on my podcast, I go by again because I started doing it before I had returned to adult work. I started doing it under my actual first name, not using Siri. Which now, obviously, that I'm unretired, like it makes more sense to use Siri because that's what everyone knows me as, you know? So one of my weird boundaries though, is like, I'm totally fine with a fan. If, if you're a fan of like my porn and you watch my porn, if you fap to me and you bust nuts to me <laughs> and you listen to my podcast and you also subscribe to like my only fans, I'm totally fine that you listen to my podcast and therefore you hear me when I'm like not in porn mode. But my pet peeve of mine is when people and I've like whined about this on my podcast a whole lot, but a pet peeve is it's like one of those weirdly specific boundaries is like, if someone messages me through my OnlyFans or like my porn Twitter or something, and they call me by my birth name, I hate it. 
hate it so much. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, you know, it's like, you don't, you wouldn't, not that I'm like, I'm not going to put myself on the level of Lady Gaga, but just someone with, you know, a stage name that's nothing like their regular person name. Like you wouldn't be like, oh, hey, Stephanie, to like Lady Gaga. So. Well, and I get that. And on top of it, because there is such a history of people being doxxed in the industry. Oh, but- yeah. No, that's, it's, it's very creepy for someone to, yeah. It's like, you can, okay, I know I put that out there because I use my name on my podcast, but like, I don't, it, it's not, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I yeah. 100% get it. I, yeah. Anytime someone does that, I'm like, it puts me very on edge. And I'm like, I'm going to block you because I don't know if you're trying to dox me or what you're doing. Like, this creeps me out. <laughs> yeah. Like, did you go digging through things and try to figure out my real name or did you just listen to the podcast? I don't know. I don't have time to explore. Let's just block and go on. Yeah. I mean, I assume that they listen to the podcast because like... Before that, I was so that's actually been a massive change in my mentality as far as like pre-porn retirement and like now coming back is I was so private before, you know, it's like private about certain things, you know, it's like I was it's like you're doing porn. So like there's a lot that I put out there that I was sharing with people pre like pre 2015, but nobody knew what my first name was like not a single fucking soul knew what my first name was. There were people that I was friends with, like women that I worked with that I shot scenes with who I would hang out with in my personal life who also called me Siri. Like, so I was so secretive about that. And that is to me, I was like, well, this is like getting to a point where it's creating a weird like thing where I'm compartmentalizing me, the porn star and me, the not porn star too much because like I'm not two people like it's all still me so I was like no I feel comfortable like blending them together a little bit more now and so I share a little bit more of my personal life with my fans um probably than I ever did before but the boundaries that I do have I'm pretty I've actually become more hardcore about if that makes sense since I've opened myself up more where that ends I'm like do not fucking test me (laughs) yeah this is a wall, yeah. not a speed bump. You don't get to slow down and go. No, yeah. I totally get that. I and mean, there's yeah. plenty of performers who I am very aware of what their real name is, but until the point where they tell me like, Hey, call me by my real name, their stage yeah. name only. Yeah. That's actually, that's a, that's a, that's fantastic. That's kind of the way it should be. That's the way I treat other people in porn. You know, I, I usually when you work with someone on set, because you have to see their like test results and, you might be signing paperwork at the same time. So like IDs are going around, people are taking their little photos with their IDs to prove they're, you know, of age to be there. And so there's a lot of instances where you might see someone's legal name when you work with them on set. And, you know, I basically, unless someone tells me like, hello, my name is Bob, like, and they introduce themselves with their not stage name, unless they tell me it, I never assume I can call them it, you know? And even if they tell me, what their quote unquote real name is. I, I don't like the phrase real name. I think it sounds weird. Cause it's like, well, my stage name isn't a fake name. They're both real. Your like words are arbitrary. Your government name. <laughs> yeah. Language is just labeling things. All right. Like calm down everyone. But yeah, if they tell me their government name, like even if they tell it to me, I don't think that means I can address them as it, unless they specifically say you can call me this. And then I'm like, okay. Yeah. A performer I used to work with, you know, a- I used to be a roadie for a lot of girls, so. Mm-hmm. And a performer I used to work with, like, 
demanded I called her by her legal name. But otherwise, yeah, that was like the only person. Otherwise, it's just like, no, 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 no. I've become close to some people in the industry who I have literally told, like, please call me by my legal, like, please call me by my government name. (laughs) And, but they just forget, like, so that's a thing that happens a lot too. It's like, people might know my name and know that they can't call me, but they keep fucking, they just, they're just Siri. Like that's, that's what they know. And they'll never remember to call me anything else. Well, and yeah, that's hard. That's totally fine. Like, (laughs) you know. I don't know. It, it totally is. It, it's all situational. It's all like what people's boundaries and happiness are. Yeah. And trying to figure it out is the, half the fun sometimes. <laughs> it's just like, it oh. is. Because, you know, just because everyone in this business does similar work doesn't mean that you can all lump all the performers under, you know, one. This is a hard and fast rule for everybody. Yeah. Oh no, this is one of the last places you can do that with. Like there's so many strong personalities and so many different types of people that come into this industry. Um, Just people from all walks of life. So yeah, I tried very hard to assume very little of other people. Yeah. That is for the audience. Don't assume anything about your favorite performer. Nothing. Don't assume anything. Don't assume that you've ever seen them have a real orgasm. Yeah, actually, that's a fantastic rule. That's a fantastic rule. Oh, my God. And also, while we're on that subject, when, this is a thing that I've, I've gone through phases of how I feel about porn as, like, an art form and, you know, just a, a piece of consumer culture. That's what it is. Like, it's, it's you know, it's a very, it's a commodity, essentially. Um So I've gone through phases and I did have a very long phase where I was really irritated about fake orgasms in porn, whether they were performed by me or someone else. And at this point, I have such a different opinion on it. I'm very much, I guess I, my opinion has kind of become like, does it matter? I don't think it, it really does. Like, you know, it's not like, is this orgasm real is not really anything you can't measure much by that. As far as a porn scene goes, you know, it's, it doesn't really tell you if it was like ethically produced. It doesn't tell you like how the people were treated on set. Like there's so much that it doesn't tell you that at the end of the day, I'm like, no, I think it matters more that like people enjoy themselves. And I know when I have sex, whether it's in a porn scene or, in my personal life, I don't need to have an orgasm to have a fun time. Definitely. It's fantastic if I do, but like, you know, I almost always have a great time no matter what. <laughs> it's sex. Right. <laughs> you're doing it wrong if you're not having fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and I get questions from civilian friends all the time about, you know, about, well, you know, you're hanging out with all these performers and like, blah, blah, blah. And like, they're just in their mind and they're like, why aren't you having all this porn sex? I'm like, one, uh, porn sex is supposed to be aesthetically pleasing, not necessarily fun for anyone involved. Yeah. Like, realize that first. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I, yeah, <laughs> I shot my first double penetration scene last month, and it's not out yet. It'll, it's for bang.com, so if people are, like, super excited to see that, which you should be, and if you're not, fuck you. Um, 
it, that's going to be coming out <laughs> in September, I believe. I'm not sure exactly, but it'll probably be like, I'm guessing sometime September, um, best guess. So that, sh- that was my first time ever shooting a double penetration scene. And technically kind of my first time doing it in my personal life. I'd technically tried it before, but it was like very much a try in my early twenties. It was like, can I get these two penises in? Cool. It works for five seconds. Like it wasn't truly having sex the whole time that way. Um, yeah. So that was a big, and I'm here. I am thinking like, you know, Oh, I, you know, I might've retired for a couple of years, but I'm, I would consider myself an industry veteran. You know, the turnover is so high that once you've even done like three years worth of porn scenes, you're basically a veteran. I have all this experience and I know how to shoot a good scene and like open up to the camera and stuff. And hell no, (laughs) whoever edits this scene for bang gets so many kudos for me. Like I want to meet this guy and give him a fucking trophy because (laughs) I had to call cut a lot. Like the director had a call cut a lot. It's still a great scene, but like the process of making it was very different. And I, my brain felt broken because I was, first of all, just, totally dicked down in a way that my brain was not functioning normally the way that it would. Like I could not physically compute in my brain, turn your body this way. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was just so different like to, to do that. And there was so many things going on all at the same time. It was like physically overwhelming in the best possible way. But yeah, like, whew. That turned into a little bit of a tangent. Um. <laughs> oh my God, that never happens on the show. Never, never, <laughs> never. It, it's fine. It's more than fine. <laughs> Believe me, there's generally a lot of alcohol involved with the show. Tangents go every which way. You know, I wondered because I clearly it's called And Now We Drink. Um, and I like just got back from the gym and I try not to drink like right after the gym because it fucks with protein absorption and I'm a nerd. Um, so instead of having this really delicious grapefruit water. <laughs> you didn't have to tell the camera. It just, it's like a can. Just mm. See? I mean, it could, it could be, I could be lying. I could be drunk already right now and just be hiding it. Well, you are a professional if you are drunk right now. You are, you are holding your shit together very well. No, no, no bouncer would 86 you for being overserved. <laughs> how you're acting at the moment. But back to your point about you know, the turnover rate in the industry... What I was about to say was, Michael Federosi once said to me, if you've been in 10 years, you get a gold watch, because that's just the length of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. It's crazy. and that's You're uh, in the Hall of Fame if you're in for 10 years. Like, Well, as a performer, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't know how much the Hall of Fame consists of anyone but performers. I mean, the AVN Hall of Fame. Yeah, no, not, not so much credit for our slubs holding boom mics sometimes. I know. It, hey, whatever. It's the nature of the beast. No one. No I one. mean, they could be in the. Uh, maybe there should be a Hall of Fame that. I mean, I suppose it's not technically appropriate to put someone who has been behind the scenes their entire career in the Hall of Fame. Because mm. you have to be famous to be in the Hall of Fame. True. True. If their names. Unless it's just the Hall of Fame of our of the industry, like not fan facing, like fans would not have heard of this person, but everyone else knows because I know there's lots of people who work on sets that all of us know, but no one else would know their name because they're very behind the scenes. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, Hall of Fame for that. <laughs> or how many how many editors that are phenomenal have yeah. edited AVN award winning content that have no recognition? Yeah. 
editing is such a oh my god <laughs> dear god like I edit my own content that I shoot and I enjoy doing it but also I realize that I'm mediocre at best like <laughs> you know I I can put things together and like I can make it maybe not suck but like I'm not gonna be blowing any minds with my editing skills I am an okay editor myself but when you start getting deep in it it's like what the fuck just mm-hmm. you know, I started to learn after effects in the quarantine it's just like oh yeah it looks like there's goddamn algebra equations that go into making an after effect and sometimes like yeah i gotta write a formula (laughs) yeah i'm not (laughs) no that's kind of like a potential long-term goal for me is to learn that stuff but it is i I can't say i'm particularly excited about the process of learning so it's not an immediate goal (laughs) i started getting into it literally just to improve my twitch stream yeah that's that's awesome. Yeah, I was just like, okay, I want to do some animated stuff. Like, I want to do an animated, you know, starting student screen and an animated be right back screen. And uh, how do I do this? Oh, After Effects. Well, I have it. Fuck it. Let's try it. Nice. Uh, that's that's where I'm, I'm just like, well, uh, I'll just subscribe to Streamlabs, and then you like, I do the Prime thing or whatever it's called, and then you can just like download a whole bunch. <laughs> oh, and I thought about doing that, but part of me and my part of me and no judgment it was just like well that's not mine that's just you know i could go to someone else's stream and they'd have the same stuff even though it's modular and it would be slightly different it's just not yeah mine. it's like getting a tattoo off the flash sheet exactly <laughs> exactly there's plenty of situ- i have i have a couple flash tattoos so i'm not knocking it like it's just you have to know you know what you're getting when you get a tattoo from a flash sheet you're like someone else in the world probably has this exact same fucking tattoo <laughs> yeah it wouldn't be on the flash page if it wasn't popular yeah. Yeah. And you wouldn't put it on your body if you didn't genuinely love it. Right. I mean, I wouldn't. So like, but I also know it's maybe not completely original. Like, <laughs> See, And that's with me. All my tattoos are custom art. And that's why I have no piercings. Cause it's just like, well, piercings, anyone else could have that piercing. So it's just how, yeah. my, how my brain works on stuff. Unfortunately, my talent does not quite match up with, my ability to create on screen what I want to get done. So yeah. <laughs> you have the vision, but maybe not the execution. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, if you actually ask me to draw anything, you're like, here's your, like, squiggly stick figures, because that's about all you're getting out of my hands. <laughs> Can't draw for shit. <laughs> you know, I, I'm a connoisseur of art. Like, I like how that looks. I could never recreate. You could put a gun to my head and give me 10 years, and I would never get it done. Yeah. An appreciator. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I may not know art, but I know what I like. <laughs> I think, look, I mean, that's probably just as valuable. I hope so. I hope so. Knowing what you like in general, as yeah. opposed to just being like, uh, uh-huh. or like being super indefi- indecisive, which is hypocritical. I'm a very indecisive person usually, so it's a little hypocritical of me to say that, but that's, that's how it's like, you know, it takes one to know one. <laughs> Well, and at least you acknowledge it, and if you really feel it's a fault, you could work on it. It's the people that are oblivious to things that are potentially faults that are the worst. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like, you acknowledge you're a hypocrite. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I acknowledge that I'm indecisive, and, uh, you know, I actually have been trying to work on that, to to be, like, very executive with decisions and 
it it just depends on what the decision is and like how big of a decision it is. But you know, I mean, if you ask me to choose a fucking like t-shirt color, we're gonna be there for three hours. Like, it's hard. I, I totally get it. You're talking to a dude that has a closet full of heavy metal t-shirts, and when I have to go out into the world, it's like. Why, which one do I want to? Which band do I want to rep? Do, which black T-shirt am yeah. I going to wear today? Exactly, but each black T-shirt is a different black T-shirt, so it's very important. I wish I could. I wish I could fucking full on Steve Jobs it and be like black turtleneck pants. I, I think of it as Angela Whiting it at this point, because if you've ever seen her in her like street clothes, she's essentially always wearing like very simple, clo- like a turtleneck or or whatever. And I love that she does that. And she's basically the Steve Jobs of porn. She is, because Angela's also a crazy workaholic and will be editing yeah. her own content while scenes are cut that she's in. Yeah. So Yeah. If I could if if I had that level of drive, I would probably do that out of necessity because you just can't devote the brain power into picking out an outfit yeah. at that point. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. It's like the higher or the more, I don't know what words I'm trying, like the more like cognitive attention you have to devote to this one very important thing. It's like the less important stuff just sort of falls off. Like I believe it was like Jobs, Einstein, and a couple other like, you know, big thinkers all wore the same thing every day because they just didn't devote brain power to it. Yeah. Honestly, it's kind of genius. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 about to be there be just because but not even because of that, just because uh so one funny thing about having transitioned back into porn out of retirement is seeing my closet change drastically. Like I was working in a desk at a desk job in an environment. I, I was, I was an editor, right? So it was a, an office environment. And I was like, never really seeing clients face to face. It was usually phone and email communication. So like, so but we still had like a business casual. So I was wearing either like really nice upper scale jeans and like a button down to work or like slacks or something like that. And I hate it all. Like I hate clothes, honestly. Like I hate, I love how jeans look on me. They look great on my butt, but I hate the way that pants actually feel. And so as soon as I like, you know, I was doing online like I was I got back on Twitter I got back on Instagram I started doing OnlyFans and I was doing those things concurrently with my old office job for about six months before I left my office job and that six months in between where I was like going home and being like online sex worker like wearing all these like lingerie and skimpy and I was reminded like oh this is so much more comfortable for me like I like wearing you know basically as little clothing as possible, especially when I'm at home. Um, and then having to go out and like sit in a fucking chair all day in jeans in a, Oh, it's like mental torture for me. <laughs> uh, I feel like it is from so yeah. most people. Most people just feel like that that's all they can do. So they do it. Yeah. I know very few people that are happy to get up and go to an office every day. I know. No, I know. It's that's one of the things that I've felt like. And it's funny because when I complain about that job that I had, it's funny because I really loved that job. And none of my complaints have anything to do with the actual job. They're just about the circumstances of like what it's like to work in an office, you know, 
Well, and I think that's one of the things that we're going to see in the post-COVID world is more offices shutting down. Because yeah. why would a business, if they are successfully operating right now, why would they pick the overhead back up to have an office? Or I least- know. It's it's insane, honestly. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, you know, the business that I worked at had been talking about, even since, like, I was there for over a year. And since my first day there, they had been talking about, like, getting a new location and, like, basically increasing size. And, like, they didn't have issues fitting all the people that were employed currently into their space then. So it, after like a year and a half of them talking constantly about how they maybe want this new office space, it was kind of like, okay, well, this may or may not ever actually happen, but it became pretty clear to me eventually that it was more about them wanting to like impress clients that would the rare time a client would ever actually visit the office that they would want it to be more impressive to a client. Cause it's like, well, it's not for the employees really. Like it, you could say it is, but like at the end of the day, you could spend that money on things that would benefit your employees way the fuck more, like just paying them more. Yeah. <laughs> and they'd probably be more productive at home, not interacting with their coworkers, not waking up, depending on where they're commuting from hours earlier to commute in being tired mm-hmm. at work, you know? Yeah. That will be a, potentially amazing thing that happens post COVID is hopefully there'll be more businesses that are just like, fuck it. We don't need an office or we need an office just for when clients are coming in and yeah. everyone works from home and okay. We know what clients coming in. Y'all actually have to come to the office today. Yeah. I already know so many people like personal friends who have been working from home since March. And at this point it's their jobs. A lot of them have gotten to a point where it's like, I don't know if I'm ever going to go back. Like, you know, they're so successfully working from home. And, you know, functionally hasn't really changed much in how the business runs. So I think, yeah, I'm super interested actually to see how many companies are just like, yeah, you know, we're just going to ditch this whole office concept. It's antiquated. It's as antiquated as organized religion. (laughs) Yeah, I went there. That went there. I was just talking about that. The other day with a friend of mine, how like a lot of the reason, I mean, I, I'm not religious, you know, um, so pardon me if I offend anyone who is religious, who may be listening or watching, um, but like, you know, my parents are religious and I've had conversations with my mom where she's like, you know, why don't, like, one thing that she asked me, like, a year ago was, my our church is really trying to get more young people to start coming, and, like, do you have any ideas what we could do to get more young people? And I was, like, stop being a church, like, (laughs) because I think, you know, religious or not, or, like, regardless of how much of a believer someone is, for for most of history, the purpose of a church wasn't necessarily like, because you're so religious, you need to go to church every week. It's because it's a sense of community. Well, it's a sense of community. You were a societal outcast if you didn't participate. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh, what will they think if we're not at church on Sunday? Right. It was just horrible peer pressure is the only reason people were there. Yeah. Or also like literally just being beaten to death by a by, by angry mobs, you know, burned at a stake, yeah, drowned. You know. yeah. yeah, like being forced to convert or die. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or, you know, being driven from their homes, you know. Uh, yeah. you know, 
I, I like to refer to myself as an entertainment Jew. Like, you know, if it comes up for means of entertainment or like it's bonding with members of the tribe, yeah, I'm Jewish. The minute like I actually have to step foot in a synagogue, like, well, <laughs> no, about that. <laughs> but I do acknowledge like, you know, our history of being driven from our various homes because we wouldn't convert. I actually saw, I read an article yeah. a couple months back that was super interesting about Spanish Jews that during the Spanish Inquisition claimed to convert mm-hmm. and had a whole recipe, like books of recipes handed down generation to generation to prepare meals that looked like they weren't kosher, but they uh-huh. really were. Oh my God. Like just That's the, amazing. Uh, and those recipes made it to Cuba. And then there's a sect of Cuban Jews that were using these same oh recipes. It was it was an amazing article. That is fucking cool. I mean, I'm sure it made sense to the people at the time, but looking at it in 2020, the idea of like, whoa, 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 you won't eat pork? You gotta go. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's completely ridiculous. <laughs> but I'm sure if people from that time got a, you know, a window into our world, they'd be like, that's completely alien to me too. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I have no doubt. We, we need the balancing act in life of trying to be like, okay, we recognize things in the past were wrong and to not repeat them, but we can't just hold them to the hourglass, you know, to the magnifying glass of current times too. Yeah. Yeah. You have to always look at things with the lens of like, okay, well like, did these people actually know better? Or like, yeah. You know, were they were they trying to? I don't know. You know, yeah. I think it's important to consider actual intent too. I mean, there's plenty of actually just absolutely rotten intent that happened, but just society. Well, said like that, you know, yeah. Speaking of the Crusades, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But society said this was our moral obligation to do this thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and if everyone you know and trust tells you this is the right thing. It's really hard to go against the grain, especially when there's a threat of violence behind it. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at as recently as the Holocaust or hell, you look at the civil rights movement. You know, if in the sixties you were a white person have, you know, helping an African American in the South, there's cases of being people being murdered by law oh, enforcement. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they were just going against the societal grain. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's probably fair to argue some of that is still happening too. <laughs> Unfortunately, absolutely. Yeah. Unfortunately. Oh yeah. Yeah. This, we still have a long way to go. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that is something I think about a lot. I have to. Uh, I have to be careful because I have. I'm a very highly empathetic person, and if I spend a lot of time on social media or like reading news. Um, you know, it just, the, that feeling of like not being able to do enough can be very consuming and, and like really fuck with my mental health. So I try to limit the amount of exposure that I give myself to like, you know, especially the most negative kinds of media. Like I don't actually use Facebook at all for that reason. In the meantime, I just do everything I can, you know, which more often than not, in, it means just like donating to things, honestly, and signal boosting a lot of things too. 
you know, which is one of the things that I like about being back in the industry and like having a, a little, my little eensy weensy platform that I have. <laughs> well, uh, I try to use it for good when I can. That's awesome. I, I'm really of a mixed bag on, in some situations doing the signal boost, just cause like, I feel like in some situations where if I signal boost, I'm taking the spotlight from someone who really should be front and center on yeah. it. So it's, and it also was just like, especially during the recent Black Lives Matter stuff. Mm-hmm. The you know that's sort of, that sort of social justice stuff isn't really part of my public profile, even though I, I believe yeah. in it. To just be like, oh, because this is trending right now, I'm going to address it. Felt like virtue signaling. Yeah, yeah. I think there's that's a whole conversation that I think. I've seen a lot of people just in the adult industry specifically having conversations around that. So yeah, I know I totally understand that that perspective as well. Yeah, it, it's it's a balancing act of a bunch of different things. On one hand, eh, I don't know. I don't know what I'll end up doing with it. I feel that it's important. I feel that we still have so fucking far to go. Yeah. As a species, like. <laughs> yeah. Like, seriously. Oh. I mean, human beings have always managed to, you know, kill each other very well. And it really seems like in the history of humanity, we have looked for the flimsiest excuse to kill each other. It's kind of nuts, honestly. Like, we're just terrible. Oh. <laughs> Which is weird. Like, I, I, I very much, I'm like a really positive person. Like, I, I really do think that people are basically good. But also, like... I don't know. There's, mm, I think people are basically good, but like, I suppose what I'm, what I'm trying to say is like, when you push people far enough, mm, I I feel like no one wants to feel like, also have the capability to be pretty fucking terrible. (laughs) Oh, definitely. I I think that most people don't want to feel, view themselves as the bad guy. So that causes most people to be good. Yeah. But you look at situations where society says, Oh, this horrible thing is the right thing to do. People will just yeah. go along with being horrible because, oh, my family, my peers, mm-hmm. they all say that this black person can't sit at the counter. Right. And and the bystander effect, you know. Yeah, they're not going to even question if it's right or wrong, but it's like, this is how it is. Yeah. Yeah. So we have, we still have a long way to go. And this is why I often joke that. We need to stop AI tech right now because when the machines really become sentient, we have not been good stewards of this planet. Why the fuck would they keep us around? Yeah. Oh, they'll murder us. They're mur- And honestly, like, I'm sorry, but like if that, if it comes to that, I'm actually like, yeah, that's fine with me. Like, I'm not down with it. I like the the ride's short enough as is. I don't need to be murdered by an AI because you know Boston Dynamics decided that they could do it, not that they should. Oh my god! <laughs> oh fuck! I played uh, this video. It was like actually the first thing that I played when I started doing my Twitch streaming. I played uh, called Detroit Become Human. I'm gonna actually do a playthrough of that very soon. Have you ever played it before? I haven't. I've watched a okay, little bit. Okay, well, I won't spoil anything for you, but I mean, it's also kind of impossible to spoil because there's like 80,000 different endings. <laughs> um, but yeah, this whole conversation just makes me think of that that video game. 
Because by the time I went on, the way that I made my choices when I was doing my playthrough, my multiple playthroughs, because I accidentally deleted my game like twice and then to fucking start over multiple times. Uh, but yeah, the way I made all my choices, by the time I got to the end, I was like, I'd be totally cool if this like race of AI beings just kills off all humans. Like, I'd be totally fine with it. They're <laughs> far better. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that be the craziest thing if, like, our evolution came from us killing off our creators and then eventually our creations kill us off? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I believe mean, in that. We would not know, right? Like, right. maybe. <laughs> yeah, we could all be genetically modified monkeys and we killed off our creators in a violent uprising and then lost that history. I mean, we had collapses in the Bronze Age where whole languages and whole societies' history went bye-bye. Yeah. So we could be completely oblivious. I mean, I generally accept the scientific evolution of man, but you never know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not, you're not going to be uh, lecturing on ancient aliens anytime soon? No, no. I mean, <laughs> no. my hair is not big enough. <laughs> yeah, you at least need to like grow that hair out two more feet and then electrocute yourself a couple yeah. more times. Yeah, you are ready for ancient aliens. You're not taken seriously in that industry unless your hair looks like that. Just sounds be, about right. Yeah, I'd be laughed out of the room. I'd be like, "Excuse me, is this thing on?" And just be like, "That guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Look at his hair. He's got a conventional haircut." <laughs> the bigger your crazy person hair is the more well-respected you are in the community. Yeah, 100%. Makes sense. I need to grow my hair out so it's out of the frame of this camera to really yeah. be at the top of my game in that. Yeah, I need like a Bob Ross times four, at least. Yeah, yeah. but I, I couldn't be so soft-spoken either. I have to you know, really, can't just be happy little trees talking mm -hmm. about ancient aliens. But in reality, well... Yeah, you're going to raise your voice every now and again, just kind of yell. Exactly. Speak in all caps. Exactly. Exactly. Though I am amused by like the simulation theory because I just think we're potentially all a game of The Sims and someone left the keyboard hours ago. I'm a fan of that theory. <laughs> as as someone who grew up playing countless hours of The Sims, that would make sense. I'm just waiting to get in the pool and have the ladder disappear. Anytime yeah. now. Yeah, I mean... So my favorite Sims torture method was specific, like um, where I would build a house, a very small house. I would specifically do this with a family of Sims. Like it wasn't enough to do it with just one Sim, but I would build the house, put them in the house, remove all the doors and windows. They would get, it'd be a one room house. They would get no toilet, no sink, no method of cleaning themselves. And they would get uh, just a fridge. Nothing to cook their food with. So I thought it was fucking hilarious. I was also like 15 at the time. Because they would get a... The only thing they could get out of the fridge was beans. So like they're all just eating cans of beans. There's nowhere to put the empty can. So they are like leaving it on the floor. So you give it a couple hours and you have Sims who have like... Peed and shat themselves like all over the house. And like empty cans of beans everywhere. And then they're just all like screaming and hopping up and down. And I was so entertained. And that's how I know I'm a terrible person. <laughs> whoa, whoa. You just recreated quarter four 2020. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, essentially I was just creating like a really horrifying episode of hoarders uh, <laughs> for my own comedic enjoyment. There's nothing wrong with that. Isn't that the point of the Sims <laughs> is to just do like tor- virtual torture porn and then not act it out in real life. That's really. Yeah. Well, it was either that. And I will say that like the torture was actually not my main, it wasn't my MO. Like the, the torture was, hilarious when I had like a sim family that was just annoying me anyway like because there'd always be the one where I was like this I just can't like no one likes this character like I keep trying to like build relationships it's not working so it's like I'm just gonna kill them all (laughs) I'm just gonna put them in a house and let them eat beans until they die um but mainly what I did with my sims is I would make a character that was moi it looked like me it had my name it was so it was essentially me and uh I would then just have my character fuck everyone in town (laughs) And no beans? No beans for you? Just fucking? Yeah, just just fucking. Just woohoo. I just would visit all the people in, in town and woohoo with all of them. So yeah, you, it feels like your, your character wasn't living her, her full life. She could have been eating all those beans. <laughs> no, I I allowed... I don't... I mean, I wouldn't need that much beans in my normal life. So like, I'm not going to let... You know, I, I treated my sim very well. <laughs> this is the fantasy. Think of, all the beans. Treatment. <laughs> Think of all the beans. It's it's a fantasy. You could eat better than yourself. This, all this the is beans. extra funny because my cat, one of my cat's names is Beans. And like, <laughs> you keep saying that and I keep picturing my cat, Lenny Beans. <laughs> Please don't eat your cat. Please don't. I don't want to be responsible. Oh, I won't. I oh, won't. Okay. The, that's I the, mean, he does look tasty, but no. Nah. That's the last AVN headline I want to see. Like, Siri, guest stars on Matt Slayers and Now We Drink. Eats her cat. Like, uh, no, no, no. Don't want those headlines. Yeah, if anyone ever, like, became infamous for... Uh, oh, never mind. I'm not even going to say that. Just, that could be misquoted so many ways. I'm just <coughs> oh, now I'm really that curious. <laughs> Damn. I, live I was going to say, if anyone could become famous for, like, or infamous for loving their cat too much, it would probably be me, but... I don't mean that in like a gross bestiality way. Right. I just mean it in like a, I'm literally obsessed with my cats. Like I'm pretty sure Cindy Leathers has that market covered anyways. Oh yeah. She, oh my God. I, we like each other's cat tweets all the time. <laughs> like, we have actually just DM'd each other cat pics back and forth, like on multiple occasions. <laughs> it was like, oh, yeah. crazy underground cat trade happening. <laughs> mm-hmm. The, the underground porn cat lady trade. <laughs> We're just breaking new ground here. We're just discovering new things. Who knew? <laughs> hey, guys, if you really want to stand out in serious DMs, don't send your dick. Send cats. Well, actually, a lot of my subscribers on uh, my private social media has already, already know that. Like, I have a couple guys that will send me, um, like, they want to get my attention. They'll send me cat pics. They know. Mm-hmm. That- it's not just any cat. Like, don't go Googling and, like, just download random fucking cat photos. I will know. <laughs> like, yes, you, you got to have a cat and send me photos of your cat. Good photos of your cat doing interesting cat things or just being really cute. Well lit. Like, you can't have poorly lit cats. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like I am with, because uh, dick ratings is such a huge thing, which was funny because I never, like, intended to do it. 
In fact, I said I wasn't going to do it for a really long time when I started out on OnlyFans because I thought like, well, that's bad. Like, I don't, I actually really dislike the, even as a joke, like rating people's appearance on a like one to 10, like, I just don't like it. I think it's a gross concept of humans doing that to each other. And I felt the same way about dick ratings until I, I mean, I was just inundated with requests from men to rate their penis. And like, I was like, okay, fine. I, I will do this. Like, <laughs> you want this so bad. Like, it's not even about what I want at this point. It's just about you wanting me to rate your dick. Oh yeah. So fine. I'll rate your dick. They, they want to pay for that validation. Yeah. And I'm actually honest too, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not mean, but I am honest. <laughs> There's a difference. Yeah, you're, you're objective. Got it. Correct. As objective, I mean, I can't really be objective. And I think that's always a thing. It's probably one of the things that made me feel so weird about the concept of a dick rating in the first place. I'm like, well, who's rating it? Like, I'm not God. I can't tell you, you have the best dick. Like, I. also, it's I'm only going on appearance. Right. And like assumed size because i have to like in a photo you usually can't actually tell scale very well like i've definitely dated dudes or like random one-offs on tinder where like i saw a photo of the penis before i actually had sex with them and i was like this is a vast difference sir like (laughs) well and on top of it you don't know like you know when it gets hard how it's going to feel inside you from just a photo like you know he may never you know it may look hard in the photo but like when it's in person it's like well that's kind of a droopy dog like it's it's not yeah. fully hard, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's even like just the argument of like skill. Oh yeah. Like I can rate your dick all day long, but it doesn't actually have much to do with how good you are at sex and less you are good at communicating and you're comfortable. Like <laughs> Right. If you pop in ten seconds. Yeah. Know. Like, you know, or like, what if you last, I don't know, I don't think I've ever fucked anyone who's like this, but I'm thinking of like a really weird, unusual combination of characteristics. So what if you have like a, a, a very desirable dick in a good, whatever that means, right? So like a, a, a good size or whatever, like a, like the objectively perfect penis. Right. Everyone can picture whatever that is for themselves. I don't fucking care. I'm not going to tell you what a perfect penis is to me because it doesn't exist. <laughs> Um, so let's say you have a dude with a perfect dick and he's able to like have sex long enough that his partner comes first. Right. Which is usually what I want. Like, Right. You want yours. That makes perfect I'm typically sense. Not going to come after the guy does like, I mean, it's happened, but it's more rare. So like, let's say he's able to fuck for like 30 minutes. You know, for me, that's like a good, solid, like sex session. I'm going to be able to come in 30 minutes. We're going to have fun. So this guy's got an objectively perfect dick. He has sex for 30 minutes and doesn't come too early. But if this guy has absolutely zero confidence in his dick itself, in his himself, in his appearance, in his ability to have sex well, like it kind of ruins the other things. So, like, that's a huge thing. I mean, that's why I say that's, like, a weird combination of traits. Because I think most people who would have those other traits would probably be self-aware enough to, like, not be completely insecure. But I've... Or at least hide it. At least shut up about their insecurities. Hide the insecurities. It's... Man, it can be hard, though. when, When you're at the mercy of your boner, like, it can be very hard to hide if you have insecurities about things. 
unless you're, you know, taking a whole lot of um, Viagra. Hey, I, or whatever. I'll, hell, I'll say this on air. Like the last person I was with, like I fucking failed at one point. I'm like, oh shit, I failed. Give me a few. Like mm-hmm. it happens. Oh yeah. That shit happens to everyone. And also that actually shouldn't have anything to do with your, like, you know, does that make sense? Like performance anxiety is valid. Like being concerned about how you are sexually, like all that stuff is totally valid. But like to me as a sexual expert like it's i would be more disappointed if someone like was like oh man i really gotta impress her like i gotta have this like perfect giant fucking boner the whole time like i can't fuck up and like was just like doing this weird because at that point when you're that concerned with like you know making it a quote-unquote perfect experience and like really performing and like knocking it out of the park you're so in your own head that like you can't even be there in the moment and then i'm going to tell that you're detached because i'm again a very highly empathetic and perceptive person and that's gonna like i don't know it's just gonna affect my experience i'm not gonna be able to enjoy it as much because if i don't feel like a connection you know and i mean that with everyone oh for sure i yeah in that moment actually i was more concerned with like comforting her and letting her know that it had nothing to do with her yeah. Like, yeah. And that's, that's like perfect. Yeah. Cause you know, I have a, I've definitely, you know, over my course of sexual experience, I've had the habit of like, if I drink too much before sex, I don't finish. So mm-hmm. there've been plenty of times where I've had to explain to partners like, this has nothing to do with you. Cause I, in my experience, women very much get upset and think, take it personally. When I do doesn't finish. Yeah, they can. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a, Oh, it's almost like the same thing in the opposite, you know, like, yeah. And I mean, I've been there, so that's, it, it's hard. And sometimes you're like, oh, it's me, but you know, sometimes it's not you. All right. Oh, and then like, you just, yeah, yeah that's why it's so important to communicate. Yeah. I make it very, you know, I very much make it clear to my partner, like, whoa, this has nothing to do with you. Like I would continue to bang until we were both raw and I still would not finish. Like, it, <laughs> yeah. This will just be. This very, I'm exhausted. I'm, we're both sweaty and it's not going to happen tonight. It has nothing to do with you. In the morning, I will happily go for round two and probably pop in like 30 seconds. Yeah. It's all built up <laughs> from the night before. So you're gorgeous. Yeah. You know, it's just, but I, I can imagine that. And I'm, I can imagine myself, hell, as a younger man, not being like confident enough to say that shit. Yeah. And our culture doesn't really, it's not like who teaches you that? No one teaches you that. Like you don't, no one would know that, that that actually is, is a much more beneficial way for all parties involved to behave. If you have like a, you know, a quote unquote problem, I'm putting that in air quotes, yeah. but like, you know, because it's not necessarily a problem, but like the way we're talking about that issue of like, maybe you can't come, you know, it, you just talk through it. It's not a big deal. You don't need to like make up a, like an excuse or, you know, I'm now I'm speaking about vague experiences in my past that I won't bring up, but like, you know, I've, I've definitely been in that situation where a dude, like for some other reason was having a hard time coming and like basically told me that it was something I was doing, but it wasn't. And then he like later on was like, Oh yeah, I actually was just like really nervous and I didn't want to, tell you like <laughs> it's like that's not mm, that's not helping anyone dude well i mean but that's part like that's part of unfortunately how like 
dudes, at least my generation and older, were fucking raised. Like, oh, I can't show you fucking weakness. Yeah. No vulnerability ever. Right. Well, yeah. well, well especially if it's a one-night stand or, like, it's new. Yeah. I think it's actually a little more understandable if you, like, know you're never going to see the person again. Like, but in my case, this was a person that I had already been dating for a couple months, I think. And we had had the conversation and we were like, going to keep dating. And it was starting to get serious. And I was like, why would you make that? Like, this is so stupid. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, it's so stupid. Like, hey, you know, I want to be with you. I, w- I want to trust you. I want to be with you on an emotional level. But I'm going to gaslight you into thinking you're doing something wrong when it's completely on me. Like, yeah. Yeah. Great foundation for a relationship, buddy. Yeah, I know. It's 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 so it's kind of pathetic and like I I also just see that as honestly just a sign of immaturity. Like in general as a person or also just also maybe relationship immaturity. Everyone's got those th- weird those things you got to work out that you find out about yourself when you get into a serious relationship the first couple times usually. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, oh, 100%, like, 100%, and I'm not a serious relationship dude for the majority of my life. Yeah. But even just being with people on a level, it's just, you know. Yeah. It's a lot of trial and error because, fuck, my parents never had a conversation with me about what I should do if I have any erectile dysfunction or, (laughs) (laughs) you know, can't finish. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. There's no sex ed that, like, hey, you know. Your partner might think it's on them when they don't cut when, you know, and that's the fucked up part why women are, you know, often fake orgasms because they, they don't want their partner to feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's usually more about the, the, the male ego in the end than, than anything else, which is a, a, going back to what I was talking about earlier about like how I feel about fake orgasms in porn. It's usually not. Because it's a performance in the first place, like I have, have I done, have I faked orgasms in porn scenes? Absolutely. Like, and I used to, uh, I will admit to this. I used to say I never did back in like 2013. I'm pretty sure if you look at my like Reddit AMA from 2013, I think I said like that I never fake. And I was totally bald faced lying because I can't, because I was like, how? It's part of the brand. It's part of the fucking brand. I was much younger. Yeah. You know, like, and, and that, that was a while ago. It was like eight years ago now or something. And, and so it was much, I didn't have the perspective that I do now. And now I'm like, no, you know, I think it's, it's very different to intentionally plan to have an orgasm at a specific point in a scene because this is a product that you're selling and you want the people who are watching it to get the most impact out of watching it. So, you know, if like it, if, if I'm having a day where like my body, cause I have related to like my cycle and like all different kinds of things, like hormones going on, I can tell when I am like getting in the mood for sex and I'm like feeling horny. And before I even start having sex, I can literally tell if my body is going to need way more fucking stimulation than I can even give it to come. Cause I do have days like that where I'm like, I will come, but I will need to have the Hitachi wand on my clit for fucking 45 minutes. Like that's a lot. Yeah. Like I, that wouldn't even be a, I mean, I could probably 
get some of my diehard fans interested in watching that, but your average porn consumer who's like browsing Pornhub, you know, if I'm working for like a big company and they're paying me to be there the day, they don't want a scene of me with a Hitachi one for 45 minutes. No. Laying still waiting to come. Like, <laughs> yeah, like in that, in that scenario, it's in everyone's best interest, including my own. If I actually do the most convincing orgasm I can, even if I'm not actually orgasming, like I'm not losing out in that situation. I'm having a good time. I'm getting paid. I'm making bomb ass content. And then if I really want to come, I can go home and come. Exactly. And <laughs> for fuck's sake, when you watch a Marvel movie, you know, you don't think that Chris Evans is actually like falling multiple stories and brushing himself off. It's fucking right. fiction. You know that's a stunt double, or it's just fucking anime, like right. CGI. Right. Yeah. At least you actually have a penis inside you. That's actually yeah. happening. It's not a CGI. Oh, yeah. Cock. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. No stunt doubles here. Stunt cock. <laughs> Right. I'm so, trying to think of if I ever been. No, I've I've literally. I mean, I can't, I'm trying to think of if there's ever a situation where a stunt cock would be a thing in porn, and I'm sure it's happened at some point, but not that I know. No, of it's just a fucking hilarious bit from Orgasmo that everyone fucking runs with. <laughs> but th- that's the thing. People need like yes, the consumer is experiencing titillation and probably experiencing an orgasm themselves. But they mm-hmm. still need to realize that it is a production. This yeah. is nine times out of ten, unless you're consuming pro-am content or OnlyFans content, is a whole fucking crew there that is professionally lit. You have been mm-hmm. in hair and makeup. Yeah. Your co-host, your co-star, not co-host, podcasting, your co-star <laughs> has probably been walking around set stroking himself while having casual conversations with people. Oh, my God. All the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then they call action and you have sex. There's nothing organic about it. There's really not. Like, you know, I I try to make things feel as organic as I can within what I have the power to do when I'm on set, you know. Um, You know, and that's also my experience with most other performers that I work with. Like, usually those of us who love our work and enjoy it um, and are good at it because we love it and enjoy it are like, usually things can fold unfold a little more organically because then there's like some real chemistry going on and like real attraction and, and all that. But, you know, I've, I'm very fortunate that I haven't really had a lot of direct experience with working with other porn stars and like having things be really detached and like awkward on set. Like, and I'm also just like, I can usually find great things that are, I can find a lot of attractive things in a lot of people, I guess. So like, it's easier for me to, to be in that space mentally when I'm shooting, but I've heard so many horror stories from, um, other people. Well, and yeah, that's why like, <laughs> especially from male performers who have been doing it for a long time and they've kind of worked for every fucking company out there. They worked with every girl out there oh, yeah. from like the most amateur to the most professional and they've done everything. And so they have stories about like working with people that are just like the camera shuts off and they're just mean. Like <laughs> Camera shuts off. They're on their phone before you even pull out. Like, yeah, that, that fucking is wild to me. I'm just like, what? don't just, ah. <laughs> well, yeah. And that's why like people have asked me forever. Like, yo, you've never wanted to be male talent. Like, 
fuck no, I've never yeah. wanted to be male talent. Like, I don't think I could do the job in the first place because I know what yeah. actually goes into it. But those kind of horror stories on top of it are just like, I, yeah. I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze there. Yeah, it's that's they work so fucking hard, man. Like, you know, and I think a lot of a lot of very successful um, men in porn will say like that they love it and that it's it's worth it. But I think for for those for those guys who are that successful, and it's only like a handful of them, honestly, or yeah. maybe a couple handfuls, like. It's probably also that they just have whatever fucking genetic gift or whatever that they can like that they can meet those demands of like coming on command and like doing all this other stuff and like they're not bothered by ten people watching them fuck someone. Yeah, or having you know Maestro Claudio leaning over them with the fucking camera sweating on them. Jesus, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I I would be curious like if someone would do a scientific study. And actually scan the brains of male porn stars, like the ones that are doing yeah. it without, you know, ED drugs. The one, like the old school guys yeah. who could just fuck a brick wall if you're like, you have to fuck that brick wall. Okay, I'll fuck that brick wall. Yeah. And see if yeah, there's I some, think it's, something in their brain, like physically in their brain that allows them to do this. I, I think to some level there probably is. I think, well, one thing I've talked to a lot of men in porn or like, I just generally like to talk to and like ask people questions when I work with them. And so I have noticed a theme with like a lot of male performers uh, who can do that, who can get in that mental space and have very basically predictable, reliable results every time. Like they really know when, they, like, so Xander Corvus is one of those guys, right? When I worked with him with one of my first scenes back, which was for browsers, um, he we, we got on set, like we hadn't even gotten halfway through setting like the, just the setup video stuff. And he was like, I'm going to come twice today. He didn't say it. Like, I think this is a possibility. He said like, it was a decision that he made. <laughs> he was like, I'm going to come twice. And I was like, fuck yeah. Awesome. Like, cause we were doing a cream pie scene. So he came in me twice and he knew that that was what he was going to do. And on one level, I was like, that's wild. Like, how do you have that much control over your body? And like, you know, I act, I don't know if he takes, like, I don't know if any of my male co-stars, it's like, I wouldn't see them taking any, any dick drugs if they did. I think if I had to guess, I'd say it's probably like 50, 50, like, yeah. you know, I know a lot of guys do. I also know a lot of guys don't, but uh, regardless, even if they like, you know, I know like things like Viagra are going to help your blood flow like that that's all it does it's not controlling your brain though right so i think a lot of it really is having the capability to like control your brain and what you are thinking of during sex and like um honestly i think it has more to do with creativity in the end like people who are super duper creative like have this space that they go into in their brain where you are like constantly feeding it sexual cues I don't know. I'm not that guy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's just my, that's just my perception of that. Um, Next and I, I mean, I'm speaking from a direct pretty. Yeah. Like I, I think that my boyfriend is a person like that. Like he, I've asked him about it and, and he just says his brain just like creates things. And like, it's just wild. Like it's, it's truly like having the ability to be like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to come now. Okay, I'm gonna come now. Like, like, oh yeah, 
yeah, it's 100% mental. Um, you know, the first two partners I had, like, as a teenager, I didn't finish with. And I yeah. definitely got in my own head, like, why the fuck am I? Like, I could jerk off and pop. And, like, you know, 16-year-old dude yeah. popping by my, by my own hand a lot. Yeah. And it's like, I just had sex. I, 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 why, what, what, what the fuck? What's, what's wrong with me? And then, like, and Latina is like, oh, yeah, it's, you have, if you have the discipline and the mental control, it's definitely a mental thing. It, mm-hmm. your headspace has so much fucking to do with it. You know, you could have all the, if you're not mentally into it and you have all the physical stimuli in the world, it's still not going to fucking pop. Yeah. Yep. I, well, and honestly, it's actually the same for me too. Like if I have, if I'm like super, sex is great for stress relief, obviously, but like if I have like an immediate acute stress, like something going on in my life or something that just happened that I'm not like over or haven't processed or whatever. Like if there's like some like acute thing that I know could be kind of dealt with, like I can't, I can't have sex. Like, I mean, I can, but I can't come. (laughs) I can't get my brain in the space where it's like, okay, we're going to do the sex and we're going to do the come now. Like it, it's, it just revolts. It's like, no, you can get fucked right now, but you're not going to come. Fuck you. (laughs) Yeah. And, it's just the human condition and for good or bad. Yeah. When I, you know, get intimate with someone and if they get self-conscious about anything, it is, it becomes a bit of a turnoff for me. Yeah. And it's just like, I have problems at that point. Cause you like, I don't you know. Hey, we're getting naked. I'm obviously into you. And you being like, Oh, the scar or whatever. Like, Yeah kills it kills the mood i don't know yeah and maybe that's shitty on me too no i mean i'm not gonna speak for everyone but i i i totally get it like (laughs) i would feel the same way like and it's also well it's like if you're super concerned with your and i'm not saying that like people shouldn't everyone has insecurities about things like that's fine i have insecurities about things i have you know, things related to body or whatever. Like everyone's got their things. I don't oh, think anyone 100%. doesn't have like a thing. That's fine. But yeah. And it's like, it's kind of like you already, basically you said it, which is like, okay, well, we're already at the point that we are naked together and like, we are getting sexual yeah. and like, you know, to use your example, like, you know, you're a random scar or whatever. Like if that were, if that were the, like, a, a deal breaker, then we wouldn't be in this situation right, right now. So like, stop, stop beating yourself up. Like, right. Like you know? if it was such a deal breaker, I'd be the asshole at that point being like, Oh my God, that scar. Like I'm out. Like, no girl. Like, yeah, I got some hangups. I'd like to lose some fucking weight. I got a bit of a gut on me at the moment. I'm not going to say shit about it. If you want to get naked with me. Yeah. Like, Oh, you know what you signed up for. It's on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're not hiding it. Like, But that's just me. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of other people that could fucking be like, oh, whatever. You know, that doesn't turn them off. The lack of, you know, self-confidence doesn't turn them off. Hell, I'm sure yeah. there's some people that probably get off to it. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, I think... 
probably maybe not the healthiest of folks uh, or, or relationship dynamics. If you're if you're dating someone who's super turned on by you having a lot of self confidence issues. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, pro- I'm not a professional, but I, in my unprofessional opinion, yeah, that's probably not good for you. Yeah. Sounds kind of terrible. Yeah. yeah. Please find a different relationship if that is you. If you are the person listening to this right now, run, run as fast as you humanly can. Good God. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Run away. Beat feet. It, yeah. Don't. You might be dating a serial killer. Yeah. But also. Or a sociopath. If you are dating a suspected serial killer or sociopath, don't let them get your new address. Just get away. Clean break. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god well i listen to uh, a lot of <clears throat> true crime podcasts and and tv shows been watching the new uh like um reboot of unsolved mysteries on netflix nice and it's fucking fantastic did you watch uh so, i'll be gone in the dark you know i didn't actually watch it but i uh read the book I, so I, I want to watch it. I need to. Um, it just wrapped. It just yeah. wrapped last Sunday. It was phenomenal. Oof. Okay. I yeah. Because I actually think I saw. Well, I follow Billy Jensen, and I saw him tweet about it the other day, and I was like, oh fuck, that's out. Like I have HBO. I don't know. I never like look. I never check it. So I didn't even realize. But yeah, yeah I got to get to that. I might be watching that this weekend. Actually. Yeah, it's phenomenal. It's heart wrenching. You know, watching Patton Oswalt go through it though. Yeah. Because there's, a, you know, Patton's on camera a lot. Yeah. Fuck. And, like, there's a lot of talk about, you know, his life with Michelle and their daughter. Mm-hmm. And, like, they, they replayed the 911 call of Patton calling mm-hmm. for the ambulance when she overdosed. Fuck. Yeah, God it, damn. Yeah, it, it's, it's fucking heavy, but it's really yeah. a well-done documentary. Ugh. Fuck. I'm, I'm excited. Okay. Yeah, I need to watch that. I'm curious to read the book now. Like. I, and, you know, I was aware of the book and aware of, because I'm a comedy fan, so yeah. I knew of it from, like, from Patton, not, I didn't really know who Michelle was before she died. Yeah. Or anything about the book. I just, like, oh, yeah. uh, Patton Oswalt's wife died, and down the rabbit hole of all that stuff. Oh, yeah. I came from the opposite direction. It was just like, I've been listening to My Favorite Murder for years, and so they talked about it all the time, and, like, you know, uh... Or, I mean, they didn't talk about, like, Michelle all the time, but they talked about the Golden State Killer a lot. Um, and then, yeah, so when that, God, when that book came out, I immediately basically, like, got it on Audible. But it took me months to actually get around to listening to it because I'm one of those people who, like, collects books that I don't read. So by the time I finally listened to it, which was about a year ago, like, about exactly, it was, like, the end of last summer. Um, fuck, it's so good. And it's it's wild to realize, like, how... It's kind of something that you see over and over in a lot of true crime stuff um, where, you know, human beings like detectives and people that investigate these cases and stuff make a lot of errors. Like there is a lot of room for improvement in the way that that shit goes. And then you see a case like Michelle stepping in and doing all of that work. It's insane how committed she was. Like, Well, and it's it's amazing, yeah. Well, you look at also you look at policing in America that in a lot of departments, especially smaller departments, you need a high school diploma. 
to do yeah. the job. And yeah, <laughs> then you test into being a detective. Mm-hmm. And then you are taught techniques by the guy who did the job before you, who may have learned bad techniques from the guy who did the job before him, who learned techniques yeah. from the guy who did the job before him. It's also like organized religion in that respect. We're like, people <laughs> are just learning what the fucking guy before them knew. <laughs> God. Yeah, that's so true. Fuck. So, yeah, these foul, these fallible human beings made mistakes, didn't look at it from another angle. And that's why, and then you add in the egos involved with not wanting to share information because we want the collar. We want the credit for catching this criminal instead of doing the right fucking thing. Yeah. And catching the fucking criminal, getting this person who is a menace to society off the streets just because, oh, you may not be the one who fucking gets the credit for it. Yeah, that's what blew my mind the most when I started getting into true crime is realizing like the whole police precincts not sharing information with each other uh, and like the, that the competition when it comes to solving a crime and there's like real people who have died or been victimized, like it's just so frustrating that like no one cares about you getting your fucking cookie. Right. No one's going to rob the officer or whatever. <laughs> Like, who's going to remember that you even got the cookie unless it's, it's just going to get you a promotion? Like, Right. Oh, you don't care how many more people die as long as you get a bump in your pay and a fucking another star on your uniform? Yeah, it's fucked up. I mean, mm-hmm. hell, it's been proven. I'm not a 9-11 conspiracy person at all, but it has been proven. 9-11 happened because there was no inner apartment communication because every yeah. one of these assholes wanted the fucking cookie of being like, we stopped it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's not surprising. (laughs) And it doesn't even sound conspiracy theorist. It sounds very plausible and real. (laughs) Well, it's in the fucking 9-11 reports. That's in the fucking actual 9-11 reports. Yeah. The greatest terrorist attack that ever happened on American soil literally happened because federal agents didn't want to pick up a phone and communicate with other people. Yeah. How fucked is society where like, oh, hey, we're going to fundamentally change everyone's way of life around the fucking world because we don't want to pick up a phone. Yeah, well, it's just the kind of laziness, I guess, or like a lack of caring. Well, have you, you know, that's kind of like, you know, what just happened in Beirut is essentially just like i don't know is it political like laziness or or political privilege of like saying like this is a problem that needs to be addressed and we like know that it is but we're not going to do anything about it or is it like a corporate greed thing like the company that was storing the materials there like not taking care of their shit but like what it's clear that like it was the most preventable tragedy like i mean i feel like it probably could be both yeah <laughs> Definitely be both. Like, Probably just every, yeah, like, well, everyone just fucked up there. It's, yeah. it's just so sad. Did you see the footage of the wedding photographer that was like shooting the bride when the bomb no. went off? Oh, God. There is, uh, I forgot where I saw it on the internet, but there was a literally a bride taking her wedding photos. Oh, my God. And thankfully, they're far enough away from the blast that like no one looked like ah. no one was injured. But yeah. The uh, the wedding photographer managed to hold on to his camera the whole time. So you see, like that's wild. Her her dress like 
get blown, her get knocked away, him get knocked down the street, all from a first person view. Jesus. And then like a That's second the later, there's just broken glass everywhere. Oh my god. It's it. I'm gonna look that up. I'm sure I can find that pretty quickly. Yeah, it was just. Have to remember to look it up later. That's fucked up. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> it. Modern technology has made the world a wilder place. I don't think. Well, that's a bad way to put it. The world was always a wild place. It has exposed us to it being a fucking wild place. Yeah. Yeah, and there are people who have not ever thought about that, or like I guess not needed to think about that, that are now like thinking about that because of the internet. Yeah, well, they I'm can, definitely they can. calling out my old people in my family right now because I have a family group text with some old people, and well, the younger people in my family uh, have been kind of sending links to to those. <laughs> That's the thing, like... Trying to not go into too much detail for, like, privacy reasons here, but, like, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. The older generations got all their information from a curated source. They got it from the fourth estate, which was all curated, edited, and made to be digestible. Yeah. Where us as a younger generation have the opposite problem of we are getting information from fucking everywhere, and we have no idea, because it's not curated, what's reliable and what's not. Right, yeah. Like, I commented on a post that Tommy Pistol made on his personal Facebook the other day. He uh, forwarded a public post from a woman who was in Sacramento who said, this is the back of my local post office, and look at all these packages backed up. This is why we're not getting the mail, blah, blah, blah. This is from a local postal worker. It had no identifying information in in her post. It had... No markings on the building that it was actually a post office. <laughs> and I'm one of these people who are like, even if it's something I agree with, I'm like, cite your sources. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, Tommy, this is irresponsible, man. Like, you have no idea. Like, I want to believe this as well. Like, I believe the post office is being fucked at the moment. Yeah. I, I want to believe this as well. But you have no idea that this is just a loading dock waiting to get in. You don't know if this is a post office. You have no idea what this is. You were just yeah, it's a photo to- without any actual context right. other than what the person is saying it is. And the person who's saying it isn't even giving details like she said my local post office. Like doesn't say what city state post office it is. Yeah. Thankfully, yeah. if you dive further into her post, she posted the original video from the postal worker himself who yeah. identifies what post office it is, but it's still like we on no matter so what. So it's real, but you had to really dig to be able to verify that. Right. And that's kind of a symptom of the whole, yeah. That's part of the problem with our generation's information is if you have confirmation bias on it, you'll just post it. Yeah. Nine times I out think, of ten. Yeah, and I'm sure we've all been, whatever you believe, I'm sure we've all been guilty of that at some point. I know that I have. I've definitely, like, done a, like... Back in the day when I used Facebook, I would like repost or like something on Facebook. And then after the fact, realize, oh, fuck. And like go back and undo it because I'm like, no, <laughs> I was fooled. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I am constantly posting on people. I'm I am that prick who will be like, sort your sizes, you know, cite your sources and memes aren't Sort fact. your sizes. <laughs> Hello, this is brought to you by 94 Bourbon. Oh, hey, that's one of my favorite bourbons. It's good stuff. 
Um, mm-hmm. just, I opened this bottle when we started, so that's how much has gone in me already. Fantastic. Good job. I am. A still, plus. I'm still forming words, <laughs> even if they're not in the right order. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm always like, cite your sources. Memes aren't facts. Even if it's stuff I fundamentally agree with. Yeah. Because if this turns, what you are posting that I agree with turns out not to be true, it just gives fuel to the fire of people who don't believe in this that mm-hmm. our side is full of shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. So you need to be, like, if it's something you believe in, you need to be doubly careful that it's accurate. Because the last thing you want is someone who doesn't believe in this to poke holes in your argument. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Uh, The internet. The internet. Such a magical and horrible place all at once. The worst. The best, but the worst. Yeah. Could you imagine if we were living through the 1918 Spanish Spanish flu pandemic? Like what? How we'd have to get through life? No. (laughs) I mean, I I could try to imagine. I don't know. Like, oof. Yeah. No movies. No internet. No video games. Yeah. Just honestly, I'd probably be like, just take me. Come to me, flu. Just, just take me away. <laughs> That's why it's, it boggles my mind when they're like, "I can't stay camped up inside for another couple months." You know, you're, you're stumbling on my freedom. I have to be outside, like, motherfucker. We are in the softest life that you possibly have. Yeah, you can get your food delivered by people that are being paid subpar wages to potentially put their lives on the line. You have all the entertainment you could ever possibly want. You have... Literally, yeah. Oh, my God. You have the wealth of human knowledge in your fingertips. Like, fuck else do you fucking want? Like, this shit ain't hard. You get a haircut. That's what they want. They want haircuts. Yeah, I get it. I like going to bars. I like being social. I'm a single dude. I would like to get laid. These are all, well, that's why I had to get a COVID test because, you know, I broke that rule, but. (laughs) See, you can. There are ways. You just have to be a lot more strategic about things than you used to be. Uh, I mean, that was, that was a poor choice. It really was like, it was a, you know, (laughs) it was just a, you know, like kind of drunk, knew it was a sure thing, but uh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's very hypocritical of me because I've called out some other friends for doing similar shit through the pandemic, but, yeah. I'm bad. Yeah. yeah I, I feel guilty sometimes when I look at my Twitter feed and I see, especially when I see other sex workers, like, being like, oh, my God, it's been so long since I had sex with anyone. And I'm just over here like, I... I've been in a relationship this whole time. So I have had probably more sex in the last couple of months than I have ever had in my life on like a regular basis. It's like, well, we got to pass the time somehow. Well yeah, again. literally. Yeah. See, uh-huh. it used to be hard because my partner was like, had a weird work schedule that would change up all the time. And so we'd have to like plan things. And then like, you know, he essentially got moved to working from home and, 
been great for my OnlyFans too because we just started filming our sex. We were having so much sex. He was, I was like, want to shoot this? Can I like pay you to film that with me? And he was like, fuck yeah. And so now he's kind of a porn star too. <clears throat> Only on my OnlyFans. For now, for now. For now, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, you could full on small hands him and turn him out like Joanna did Darren. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I would love to do that with my boyfriend. Like, but obviously it's not my choice. <laughs> well, obviously, obviously. I'm not saying you pimp him. I'm saying I've made it perfectly clear that he's welcome on the dark side if he ever chooses to join it. <laughs> Come to the dark side. Come. Mm-hmm. The parties are a lot better. The parties when we can have them again. <laughs> oh yeah. See, you have just explained how you would survive the 1918 pandemic. You would just have a lot of sex. Yeah, that's literally what I would do. Except, unfortunately, back in 1918, if I did that, I would also end up with about 30,000 children. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank well, God for IUDs. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, they had to have some form of birth control in 1918. Some form. Yeah, probably just abortions. <laughs> abortions or... Herbal abortions are like, you know, uh, there's all kinds of old timey things. I'm not a person who's done in- incredible research into like the history of reproductive rights, but I'm, I have no doubt that they had all kinds of tricks up their sleeves. The problem back then was like, you never knew if it was going to work or not, you know? True, true. You were st- Everything was a fucking gamble. Yeah. I mean, childbirth could kill you very easily in those days too. Oh yeah. Very true. My my favorite, I mean, it's old old timey ish. At this point, is brought to you by the original Broadway musical Grease. So there's a oh my god in Grease Lightning. There's a whole bit about using a using Saran wrap and a rubber band as a condom. In wait, the, wait, wait! In the Broadway version. Oh, okay. So not in the movie, but the original. Right, okay. but if you watch the the scene with Grease Lightning, that's why they're running around with Saran wrap as a reference to the original Broadway score. Oh my god! Oh, it was Saran wrap and what else? A rubber band. Okay, that like that sounds so bad for my vagina. Like I, ooh, it sounds bad stressful. for everyone involved. It sounds bad for everyone involved. Yeah, that's true. I'm being so selfish. I'm only thinking about my pleasure. Uh, I'm sure it's terrible for the person with the penis as well, who has to wear a saran wrap rubber banded to their dick. That sounds god awful. (laughs) Yeah, no reservoir tip on the saran wrap. Nope. It's also sweaty, too. Like, Oh, condoms are sweaty as is. Yeah, I know, but like, usually they're powdered. Like, it's not as gross. I don't know. Saran wrap? Mm. Hey, if you're a fucking greaser teenager and you don't want to have a pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. It, kids were kids were smart back then. I mean, I'm sure they weren't actually that smart, but like, I don't know. That's slightly impressive. Right. Yeah. Like, all right. All right. And then that's the thing of like, what amazes me is like all this talk of like, you know, we wait till marriage. You're like, the no, fuck you did. No, you didn't. None of none of you. No one worried till marriage. That's never happened. Yeah, some some people do, and I can't say that I have a diverse enough friend group that I have befriended any like conservative or born again Christians who 
at least that I know of who have been like, wait till marriage types of people. However, one of my best friends from growing up who lives in Texas has at one point, she would call me to tell me stories about this person that she knew that I guess was a coworker or something who was like, this is, we are all in our mid twenties at the time. And she would had become really close friends with this woman who was like, super Christian and had been dating the same guy, but they'd never ever had sex. And they were like finally engaged and, you know, we're going to, so I got to hear the like little, like my friend, we'd talk like once a month or something. She'd give me like an update on this person. And so it was like this woman who had gotten engaged and was like nervous and excited. was like asking my friend for like sex advice, basically about like the first time. And then it comes a month, a couple months later, they get married, they have sex for the first time. And she's like, was just talking about how it was like the worst, most awful thing she's ever experienced. And like, she was completely humiliated the whole time. Not because he did anything, because when you're raised to think that sex is the fucking devil and you should never do it, like, how are you ever going to be an adult who's never had sex in your life? And now you're 25 and you're going to suddenly be okay with the idea of sex. I don't think that it works that way. Definitely not. So and then, it made me so sad for her. It makes me sad for her. It makes me sad for her children. Cause what kind of values because they're obviously going to breed. They're because sex is only for breeding, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, what kind of values are they going to teach their children? Yeah, are, it's sad. Are their children going to be, you know, confident enough to strike out on their own, or are they just going to go with what their parents tell them about sex? Like it's a the cycle's going to perpetuate. Like, yeah, this is how we end up with every horrible thing in America. Pretty much, <laughs> <laughs> just. <laughs> A perpetual cycle of horrible. Yeah, it was just, just like, oh, hey, my parents told me this. Like, yeah, it's, it's like male circumcision. Why are the majority of American males circumcised? Because their parents, because their father's dick was. Why yeah. Was, why was his dick cut? Because his father's was. Yeah, back in the day when we used to shit in holes dug in the ground, you could get an infection from your foreskin and it could kill you. It made sense to chop it off at that point. You yeah. were following rules by people who didn't use indoor plumbing. And hadn't heard of hand washing. It right. didn't exist yet. Like, what's simple so- concepts. What's soap? <sighs> the, I mean, this is my big problem with organized religion, too. Is like, you were following rules written by someone who did not shit indoors. That, very valid. <laughs> Yeah, as an as a non-religious person, I completely agree with that. <laughs> Even if you are a religious person, just think about it. Like objectively think about it. The rules that you're living your life by was written by someone who did not shit indoors. Yeah. It's a little intense. Yeah, I mean, but it's uh, it's factual. It is absolutely factual. Yeah, it's not that hard. I mean, if we're talking about like the Bible, it's not that hard to look at the rules that are put forth in all kinds of places and throughout that text. 100%. And and most of them are kind of things that we would look at now and think this, this really, this is like, this is a thing that is, is a rule. It's insane. And they absolutely 100% made sense at the time. Yeah. You know, at the time, yeah, there's a reason that Islam and Judaism both say don't eat pork. Undercooked pork will kill you. Yeah. 
know, do not covet your neighbor's wife because society will break down. Yeah. Like, thou shall not murder because society will break down. Look, organized religion's laws for back in the day stopped us from being savages. They had their place. They had their time. We have proven at this point that you can have a moral code without having one written by people from 2,000 plus years ago. Yeah. And I mean, I've always been a, for my personal system of, of beliefs and everything, I've always kind of thought internally, like, well, what, how much is a moral code really doing for you if your main reason to uphold it is because you're afraid of like going to hell or some, you're afraid of what will happen to you if you don't uphold it versus just upholding a belief system because you believe in it that strongly. Well, and on top of it. And I think there are probably lots of religious people who actually are more on the, like, I believe in this because I believe in it, not because I'm afraid of punishment, but it's either there's just as many people who are just like, you know, the, the, I'm talking like the Westboro Baptist church types. Like, right. Those people. <laughs> well, I also like, I worked as a private investigator for a number of years. Yeah. And without fail, when working fraud cases, the people that were deeply religious were the fucking most fraudulent. That's wild. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think it was like because they have an insane amount of cognitive dissonance or because because they were like chose to appear very religious to try to cover their asses and hide that they were frauds? It's situational. Some of them, like one of them, I... I had to. My employer made me attend a church service. Oh Lord! For one one of our you know <laughs> one of our people, and he was basically running a church that is one of these. If you donate the, to the church, God will financially pay you back tenfold. Type church. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like um, was it like a mega church, like a really rich one no, too? No, because it was like the bottom basement generic version of a mega church like they were okay got like a like a startup mega church like yeah. it's it's aspiring to become but it's not there yet right exactly like this they're renting a church from another you know they were doing their services in yeah. another church in Beverly Hills yeah like they're renting their church space but the whole sermon was if you financially give to the church god will give you back tenfold like that guy it's just fraudulent in his whole fucking life. Yeah. Because he was the fucking pastor of the place. That's so crazy. Yeah. But I had other people like who were committing horrible workman's comp fraud who were, mm-hmm. you know, I caught them committing workman's comp fraud while they were going door to door collecting for their church. That's wild. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, you supposedly have a leg injury and have can't walk without a cane, but you can walk this neighborhood to canvas for your church. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, I didn't have much faith in religion before doing all that, but it's just like, wow, every time yeah, the, like this oh, person wow. is deeply involved with the church, hyper fraudulent. <laughs> so you automatically see like a super churchgoer person and you're like, this is sus. Like, yeah, this is going to just... <laughs> be sus as shit. And I don't know if it's on some respect, but like, well, I'm being fraudulent, but God will forgive me because I'm doing the Lord's work. 
Yeah, like a weird sense of immunity. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, how many... What's the trope of like all the oh, the Italian mafia guys all being like super Catholic because they can all, you know, go ask for forgiveness for their sins? Yeah, that's. I never, I never really thought about that. I don't. I guess I don't like sit down and ever think about the mafia. I've never watched The Godfather. I've never really considered that. But holy shit, that's yeah, that makes sense though. Yeah. So it's. You're like I came. I was planning to come on a fun podcast, and now we got like deep in <laughs> bashing now religion. Here we are talking about the mafia and religion. <laughs> Just bashing religion the whole way. Like, <laughs> good thing my mom will never listen to this. Aw, 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 aw. She's not proud of your work. That that sucks. <laughs> oh my god. No, we're not quite there yet. We're we're at like. The tolerate but never discussed stage. Does she just uh, <laughs> when you come home for Christmas talk about like so? How's the office? Like she just is in denial that you're not still at the office job. Oh, actually, for a minute it literally was like that. Uh, <laughs> it's it's fine. I honestly like I'm such I'm an open book. I'm like I've made it clear. I'm like you can ask me literally anything you want. Like and and honestly, if you have a question about what I do for a living, I would much prefer that you fucking ask me and don't Google it because if you Google it, you're gonna find misinformation and your butthole. I'm not like a butt. <laughs> my parents know to never Google my stage. Like they know that that is not a thing that they should ever ever do. I also told them if anyone ever sends you a link. Like literally anytime someone texts you just a link and it's not like something you definitely recognize, like don't click on it and like show it to me first. Right. 100%. That's to protect them. Yeah. But they're, they're still just kind of a little bit in denial about things. Uh, no, it's not denial. It's kind of like, uh, well, you know, because my parents have been through the unique experience of not just being the parents of a porn star, but being the parents of a porn star who retired and then like never, I mean, I didn't change, you know, I just, I just retired and they were aware that I made that choice. And so my, my, I think my mom was like super relieved and like very happy about it, but I think she read a little too much into it because I think she actually, at some point when I, since I came back and told her I was coming back. She said she made some comment like, oh, I thought that you would get like changed or given up on that or something like she had thought that my decision was more of like a, a mental like, oh, I feel differently. I think this is unethical now and I will stop doing it. And that was totally an assumption that she made. And I kind of had to sit down and have a talk where I was like, I never left the porn industry because I had a problem with the porn industry. Like I mainly left for like reasons related to my own mental health. I was in a really terrible relationship at the time that I needed to get away from. And like, it was very integrated into my porn career and I couldn't really pull them apart. So I just had to kind of like trash everything. <laughs> but, you know, after doing that and then five years later, I'm like, okay, I miss, I miss doing porn. Like I was much happier doing that. And I hate sitting in this fucking office for eight hours a day. Please, please porn, take me back. So it's not, it's not denial. It's more like, shock <laughs> there's no there's absolutely no denial um it sounds like your mom thought it was like a phase you were going through oh a hundred percent yeah it's like my parents are boomers you know they think everything is a phase because they just don't understand like a lot of things <laughs> and especially not things related to anything 
sexual or that has to do with sexuality. They're just from that generation where they're like, well, we never talked about this. We don't know. Like, but that they're the generation that like had the summer of fucking love and had the sexual revolution. And, and in some cases for people like, I would say my dad, my dad is, he was too young to have been like a hippie. Uh, Cause he wasn't like, you know, he was a couple of years, young, years younger, but like, so he would have been 18 in like the, the early seventies, I want to say. Um, so a little bit late to do all that, but I do know from talking to my dad about his wild and crazy youth that he like has basically tried like every drug ever. Like he's, he's experimented a lot and, and you know, now he's in his, he's a retiree in his like mid sixties and he like is a hardcore Trump supporter and like it's pretty much a 180 like i mean he went from being an incredibly like yolo liberal dude <laughs> and has become progressively more and more conservative over the years uh i'm assuming that he has gotten he has climbed the tax brackets over those years too uh actually not really okay that's mind boggling um, then <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's more like watching so much Fox News that it just change it literally changes your brain. Like Yeah, but how do you get on that in the first place? It's not like someone's you know approaching you on the block, yo man, I got that Fox News, you want to try that Fox News first hits free. I think it's I honestly I think it's been a a combination of being like in an echo chamber of like other and it starts small, right? But like, I my dad, my dad's always been like a computer guy. Like, he's always used the internet since its infancy, and like, been super involved with that. And so, and I just started seeing that more conservatism start to develop. I thought probably as a side effect of other things he was interested in, and he would find people in these other communities, like like music or something like that, where like it's other men his age who are interested in this, in a thing that they're doing together. But then like, you know, you're talking politics, you're sharing resources, you add each other on Facebook cause it's 2006 and that's what people did back then. And then the echo changer, the echo changer, Oh my God, I can't talk. The echo chamber starts to develop. Right. And, and I mean, it's, it's, just, it's like everyone my age had the same experience. It's just that ours wasn't going in the direction of Fox news necessarily. <laughs> well, you got to slow down with that water. You're getting crazy over there. I know. God, I'm getting so drunk on my uh, grapefruit seltzer. <laughs> it's hardcore shit, man. Well, it it honestly always boggles my mind when like someone who is working class or just even upper middle class is yeah. fucking wildly conservative. Like, yeah, the conservative party in America right now does not have your best interest at heart. It doesn't have anyone's. Honestly, it has its own. Like, right, but if, if you're wealthy, they have your best interest at heart. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, well, if you're wealthy and, and you, uh, I would even say if you're like a wealthy individual, not necessarily, although you will definitely benefit from their policies more, but it's specifically like, are you, are you a corporation? Like, right. Are you this, are you an, Ancor are you AT&T or like whoever, like. <laughs> Do you own a lot of stock in AT&T? That'll benefit. Yeah. Yeah. But if you are working class, like it just boggles my mind. Like I'm sure I'm going to lose some listeners over this. Cause you know, I have people from various walks of life, but it boggles my mind when I have friends that are like, 
making decent money doing working class jobs from mm-hmm. union protections. And yeah. they're so red it hurts. Yeah. Literally a conservative friend of mine posted a couple days ago that he compared Kanye West's recent ramblings to Joe Biden's recent ramblings hmm. and said they were one in the same. Okay. And it was like, you know, liberals asked for Kanye to take his meds when he has ramblings, but to, to you know, vote for Joe for president. Um, okay. There's That's a, a very false comparison. That doesn't make any sense. Well, I agree. And then when I tried to point that out was like, no, man, have you listened to Joe? They're the same. Like, Joe was not talking about vaccines being demons. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, I actually don't know what specific Kanye and Joe quotes you're talking about here. And I don't know what Joe quotes he's talking about, but I read Kanye's uh, interview with, I think it was Rolling Stone, and it was just like, the flying fuck. Oh. Yeah, I'm very confused by everything Kanye West has been doing for the past several years. Like, I... I just genuinely don't know what to think. Like, I just... I guess I don't think about it because I know that I'm just like, well, we can't... We're not ready for that. We're not going to go there. <laughs> but And he just admitted in the last couple of days that he is specifically running to take votes away from Biden. He admitted that to on TMZ. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. It surprised me <laughs> that it was admitted. He, he, yeah. I mean, I guess it's like if they did directly asked him. I don't know. Did he offer that up or did they ask him? I, I feel really like did, if they I, asked him, like, why would you even lie? Like, no one's gonna believe you if you say no. <laughs> like, someone's gonna believe him. I mean, yeah. I mean. I have said this multiple times. My biggest complaint about Trump is I expect my politicians to be corrupt. I expect them to do crazy bullshit in their own self-interest. I just want them to be competent enough to not get caught at it. (laughs) Yeah. That's honestly a fairly low bar. Our president is currently not meeting it. But here we are. (laughs) Here we are. Our president is not meeting that bar. He is tripping over that bar. He is fucking not. Yeah. Dear Lord. Yeah. (laughs) 2020, y'all. 2020. Uh, But on that note, we are going to actually... I could talk to you for hours. Yeah, this has been super fun. We will definitely do it again. Uh, I'll I'll pop into your Twitch stream and yell at you there, too. But we're... Fantastic. (laughs) Please do. (laughs) Make some organized religion joke in the middle of your Twitch stream. It'll be amazing. But in the meantime, we gotta we do gotta wrap this. We've been going over two hours already. Yeah, we've been going. I mean, this is gonna be a nice long one for you. Actually, we normally do about a two hour runtime. So perfect. I, that makes me feel better because I always try to keep my podcast at like one hour, and inevitably, it's always at least it's like at least an hour fifteen minutes every time. But a lot of them are more like an hour and a half. So. Yeah, I, it's just hard, especially when you actually enjoy talking and you're like. Yeah. I hate it. I hate talking. I'm horrible at it. I hate it. I can tell. I can tell it's your number one most hated thing to do. There's actually some people in the background with guns pointing at me right now that if I stop talking, they're just going to execute me on camera. So that's why I'm doing it. I'm really being (laughs) held hostage. Please support my Patreon and maybe the nice men will let me go. God, (laughs) support his Patreon. Dear God. I don't have a Patreon. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Siri, 
It has been a pleasure. Where can they find you on all the things, your socials, the OnlyFans, your podcast, of course? Yeah. So basically everything now is on my new website that I just launched, which is SiriDoll.com. Uh, doll is spelled D-A-H-L. Oh, my God. D-A-H-L. That's SiriDoll.com. That sells are fucking you up. It is fucking me up. Uh, and my Instagram is the real Siri dot PS and my Twitter is the real Siri PS without the dot. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Be sure to check her out on Twitch. What's your Twitch stream? Uh, my Twitch my Twitch username is also Siri Doll, so super easy to find. If you go to SiriDoll.tv, that takes you right to my Twitch. There we go. Check her out on all the things. Either watch or play video games or FAP or both, whatever makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Watch me play The Witcher while you fap. How about that? Hey, if you know, the combination or whatever. of Siri and like some dude swinging a sword gets it, gets it for you, do it. Well, everyone's got the split screen option on their computer these days. So you just, you know, you put the one browser window on this side with the Twitch. You put the other one with the porn site on the other side. But what if they want to, you know, fap to you getting frustrated at losing at a video game? Well, you put the porn on, but then you put the porn scene on mute, and then you put the <laughs> you keep the volume of the Twitch stream on. So you have the visual of me playing Witcher 3 and me having sex simultaneously, but you only get to hear my weird, like, unintelligible grunts about me being frustrated that I'm confused by this video game because I haven't started it yet. And I, from what I understand, I'm going to be confused at some point by the Witcher. Cause I'm going to miss some weird fucking mission. And I have to go back and correct like eight things. <laughs> I haven't played it yet. I will take your word for it. And maybe, maybe just maybe they'll get you in, you know, a scene with a Henry Cavill cosplayer. I would be so into that. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, there is a character named Siri in it. So I've been saying this, that like, it's, I feel like it's rightfully mine. Right. It, that, <laughs> it is destiny. The writers of the game were thinking of you when they put the character in. It's clearly only, only fair that you claim your destiny and take advantage of that Hen- Henry Cavill cosplayer. Mm-hmm. I, oh, I will. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe you will. But on that note, Which if it, yeah, if it's a porn parody, the Henry Cavill cosplayer will probably be Tommy Pistol to bring it full circle since he's in like all the parodies. So. Yeah, well, hey, Wood Rocket does good casting. They do. They're fantastic. <laughs> Shout out to Leroy and Seth. Yeah, I love them. I do, too. I'm, that's one of the few people I miss about not living in Vegas anymore. Here, but we, I was rapping. I swear we we're gonna go Just for like a lone a- sad tear. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> shut up though, so you can actually rap because you uh, were trying to rap, and I just ruined it for you. <laughs> you ruined nothing. You have, don't, 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 don't put those words out into the universe. You have ruined nothing. We this I made on- it better. Excuse me. Right, you, you improved it. Chef's kiss. <laughs> but we are gonna get off air. As always, you can find me at Matt underscore Slayer on Twitter, Matt Slayer on Instagram, Matt F and Slayer on Facebook. You can find the Twitch stream at twitch.tv slash Matt F and Slayer. You can find the podcast at And Now We Drink on Twitter, And Now We Drink underscore on Instagram. And until next week, drink up, motherfuckers. <laughs> I love it. I love your sign off. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>